Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. What is going on, Enterprises? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now Show. I have with me Artem Corin. We're going to talk AI. We're going to talk about meetings. I really want to talk about focus and intention. I know I talk about that a lot, but I talk about it a lot because it's a cheat code. Uh, being a fellow entrepreneur, I understand how sometimes it's hard to focus, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship in general, our path to where he is today. But before we get into all of that and other good stuff, Artem, can I get a, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. I appreciate that. I love the emphasis. So I'm curious to know, how did we get here? I know what you do now, but give me the two minute version. How did you get to where you are today? So great to be here. First of all, thank you for having me on. My background is I started out in technology and technology management. That was about two decades ago. It's scary to say out loud. And from there, I had experience in developing large scale systems, some real-time response systems. So that's kind of where I whet my appetite in terms of just deep, complex technology. I later spent some time in management consulting, which is actually where I met my current co-founder. And in management consulting, I was working on operational management projects, so internal products. And also we ended up creating an external facing product called UMT360. I was the incepting product manager on that. And that's a platform that aligns financial spend with operational activity in large organizations, marrying the world of financial management and project management effectively. And I also had a short stint in a startup called Nusana, where we were attempting, I, I should say, apl to apply AI to digitized cancer biopsies and to get AI to have its say on whether or not something is a cancer in addition to a human read. But um, that was back in 2010. And so my background is technology, management, consulting, and product management interspersed. And then in 2019, I got together with Gil McClapp, who is our CEO and my co-founder, and we started Assembly. Cool. So you must be a glutton for punishment because you're, you keep coming back to this entrepreneurship well. What are some of the things that you learned from your first experience in, in entrepreneurship? Choosing your partner is very important. Having very concrete milestones and understanding of the complexities of achieving those milestones is very important. And having funding is important. <laughs> <laughs> we did Nusana effectively self-funded. 
And that's very limiting. I think even if you're just starting up, even if you're doing prototype proof of concept, that's already a, a reason to pick up a little bit of funding along the way to make the right kind of initial impression. What are some of the things I have so many questions, especially since well, you don't know this, but I, last year I'm sort of delving in the world of being a, a quote unquote founder, right? And raising funds and series A's and all that stuff. And so you said some things that piqued some, some curiosity in me, but talk about choosing your partner is important. What are some of the things that we should look for, right? Because I, my listeners, we're founders, we're entrepreneurs, we're, we're CEOs and owners, but we're always delving into different areas of business. So I'm curious to know what are some of the things, maybe some red flags and some positive things that you look for when, when looking for a, a co-founder or a partner? Well, first of all, I would say it's actually an introspective thing. So maybe that's a little bit unintuitive is that when you're choosing a partner, it's not, I, I would say the first thing is not to think about, okay, like, who is this partner? The first thing is to take a good hard look at yourself and understand what you bring to the table that you're really good at. And not like you like to think you're really good at, but something you've demonstratively been able to deliver and where you need help. I would say that in any startup, okay, in most startups, the Three things typically take center stage and determine survivability, and that is your ability to raise capital, your ability to build product, and by build a product that is used, and then the ability to take that product to market. And if you can't put a check mark of some weight in all three of those categories, success is very uh, not guaranteed. So when you're, when you're taking a good hard look at yourself, make sure you understand, okay, do, what of those three things, and there's going to be more things. So I'm not saying those are the only three things, but those are three things that are must for almost any startup. There's always exceptions, but almost any startup. Of those three things, like, do you need someone else in the game to handle one or two of those things for you. And that might mean you need more than one co-founder. It might mean that you don't need a co-founder. So like you can Elon Musk it, right? And then and, and do the SpaceX bit. So I think it's there first. It's understand where you have gaps in which of those three areas. And then uh, find, get with a co-founder that can complete those gaps. So I, I think that's first. That's in terms of the capability and what that co-founder is able to deliver as a operational member of the team. Then from there, you get into personal quality. So it's very important that you enjoy interacting and working with this co-founder. It really helps if you have some background, so you understand them as a person, where they're coming from, what their kind of key principles are, values, and how they just go about life, because it is very, very much like a marriage when you're with a co-founder, very, very much. You have this baby together, which is your start. It's so weird how it is like a marriage. And this is coming from someone who's never been married, I'll, I'll have to admit. But I've learned a lot about marriage by working on a startup with Gil. So yeah, it's very much a marriage. You're in it together. There's an important kind of thing you're work, You're both very committed to. And so a lot of what applies in keeping a marriage together actually apply, applies in keeping a co-founding team together and, and things like you have to like each other is kind of important. Yeah. 
So talk about Nusan a little bit. You you mentioned that you did not have funding for that, and that was more bootstrapped. If I had to guess, I would say most of my listeners are um, probably in that boat where they're bootstrapped. What are some of the things that you can speak to that will help if you don't have funding, right? You're bootstrapping this thing and you're trying to build this brand, whether it's a service or a B2B, or so, what are some pieces of advice you have for us? I I have kind of a sharp opinion on this, and maybe it's not like the Vogue opinion. Uh, I think, you know, bootstrapping is great if you are a high net worth individual. Like if you have, you know, a lot of money saved up from something like, you know, uh, that you can invest like hundreds of thousands of dollars into your venture and it's okay, it's not going to break you, you know, that's a way to go. But I think a lot of bootstrappers are not in that position. And what they're doing is they're effectively like from the get-go shooting themselves in the foot for no good reason. Because if you have a great idea, and I guess this kind of like bleeds into a, a little bit of a different question, but I'll throw it in. If you have a great idea, the, the best thing is not to start building the tech, but to get a really brilliant designer to create a beautiful visualization of what the tech will be and find those initial investors who will who will see it, be wowed by it, and will uh, help you to get off the ground with that initial investment. Bootstrapping is really hard, and I think it puts undue risk and pressure to getting started. There's a lot of capital out there, a lot of like angel pools. There's a lot of sites that can get you know can get you investment from the public. So I would I would do that. I would not like unless you're in a special situation where you bootstrap. I would not I would not recommend it. And if you do bootstrap, I would put an emphasis on the vision and the sharing that dream and how it will actually work in real life once it's alive and make it exciting and have that be your first milestone rather than like a barely working technical prototype be your first milestone. And this is also a little bit from experience. Got it. Now, do you have an opinion on the service side? So I think you're talking mostly on the product and the tech development side. What about a service-based business? Do you have any opinion that way? I don't really because I've never had a service-based startup. I think that's a very different world and you're absolutely right. When I say startup, I mean like a product technology startup. I mean like a product of some kind, be it like an individual, like an, like a mobile app, all the way out to an enterprise system, something like that, or a platform. Like all those are in scope. If it comes to a non-technology oriented startup, like a service organization, I can't say really much because I've never really gone that route in terms of being a, a founder in that space. I've worked in that space, but I've never been a founder in that space. Got it. Talk a little bit about Simply AI. I was very intrigued when I first started looking you guys up. How did that come about and what problem do you guys solve? The idea for Assembly AI came very much from our background, mine and Gil's background in management consulting. So Gil used to be a CEO of a management consulting company, sold a product to Microsoft from that company, eventually sold that company to EY. And I spent a lot of time in, in consulting and we both came out of that understanding that first of all, meetings is what drives progress in organizations of, of any size. And the second thing that was true when we founded in 2019 was that there was a lot of technology facilitating the actual conducting of meetings. So like the Zooms of the world and Microsoft Teams of the world, Google Meets, but there was hardly any technology, if at all, actually 
trying to capture the value of what happens inside the meeting, which is where the, the actual meat of the meeting takes place. And we started Assembly AI with this very simple idea that if there was a technology that could understand what happens during a meeting and then deliver some value based on that, that would be tremendously valuable to organizations and um, the rest is history. Got it. Do you guys work with podcasters at all? I'm curious to know what are, what are some use cases for podcasters? The base, the most, the simplest use case is you record your podcast and you generate automatic highlights of the podcast. So, you know, meetings, we say meeting notes for a podcast, that would be the topics of the podcast, but it's actually more so. So I use it. So when I record a podcast, let's say I'm an, I have an interview, I'll download the podcast audio, I'll upload it to assembly. And in assembly, one of our features is called Semblian, which is this AI chatbot you can talk to about the content. So often, you know, usually for our users, it's about a meeting they've had, but there's nothing stopping you from uploading a podcast and talking to assembly and about the podcast. And so literal example, like I'll upload a podcast and then I'll say, write a LinkedIn post that's very engaging, that's targeting this kind of a demographic about this podcast. And it does. And I just paste it. So I don't spend too much time like authoring my LinkedIn stuff. I just let it do it. And, and I, and I go for it. Very cool. Curious to know, so what are some of the exciting points that are, that are coming up for you guys as you continue to develop and the, this AI world is just is moving so quickly? What are some of the things where you look out three, six, nine months and you say, man, I'm, I'm really excited about these things? First, I think let's level set what assembly AI is and that we like, I think that will help when I talk about, you know, the future. So first of all, assembly AI is, a, is an AI teammate also known as an AI meeting assistant, it attends meetings just like a human does. So you invite it to your meetings. It can be invited through a calendar invite, or you can sync up your calendar and it will show up at the meetings you say, like let's say all, only the meetings I've created, or you can invite it to individual meetings. So when it shows up to a meeting, it shows up just like a participant does. You see it on the screen. It's an additional participant. You can name it something that you want. Ours is called assembly teammate. It joins, it says, hey, I'm here, I'm, I'm recording. And then at the end of the meeting, it leaves. After the meeting is done, it processes the content. And then it gives you the meeting notes automatically. And something exciting that's coming pretty soon is we'll start to do meeting notes based on different kinds of meeting notes based on different kinds of meetings. So right now it's just kind of overarching meeting notes that we find are very useful for teams, but in the future, we'll have an understanding of what the different types of meetings are. And so those meeting notes are auto-generated and they can automatically be populated into, let's say, your CRM, like Salesforce. So you can have a record of the key points of every conversation you're having with, with your clients. The other thing we generate is tasks. And this is something that we're particularly good at. And we like to say that we're the best in the market in terms of tasks. These are human quality tasks and, and they come with a title, description, assigner, assignee, the due date. And these tasks can also be integrated into an app. So for example, I have my to-do app on my phone and my tasks automatically go into that to-do app. So my to-do list is self-populating. And then of course you have the tr transcript of a conversation that you can search all around. So you can like, oh, what, what was the conversation where I said this? And you can find the meeting that you had. And then finally we have Semblian, which I talked about earlier, where you can talk to an AI chatbot. It's very similar to ChatGPT about the meeting you've had. So anything from just asking it a question about the meeting 
all the way out to generating an artifact based on the media. So that's where assembly is today. And we can do this in over 35 languages. Something that's special about assembly is that we can do it in mixed languages. So if you're like saying English and Spanish, let's say in the same meeting, that's fine. And we find that a lot of teams actually work like that. Our teams work like that. You know, they'll say like Ukrainian and English in the same meeting. And so we, we pick up on that and, and we handle that well. So chances are good that we understand your language and also we understand a mixed language that you use like that language plus English, let's say. Also right to left languages like Hebrew, Arabic, those are also supported. So very global product, globally oriented. We're, we're partnered with Philips. So there's some devices that Philips sells like microphone devices for conference rooms and also personal recording devices that come with assembly inside. So those users get special offers and they can use assembly with those recording devices. So again, not exclusively meetings. There's other ways to use assembly that's really, really cool, like podcasts or like these personal recordings. Now, AI is, yeah, all the rage. So a lot of amazing things are coming. This year, you know, I, I like to say that this year is kind of like the, the baby year where kind of most babies kind of look the same. And then some grow up into basketball players and some grow up into ballerinas or whatever. But um, so today, I think a lot of companies are all implementing those low hanging fruit use cases. But next year, it's going to get interesting because some of those more advanced use cases are coming and they're really exciting. So for our side, some of the things that we already have prototypes on our more advanced understanding of team tasks. So we can already, for example, um, understand the work streams behind all your tasks. So without you telling us anything, you just have your meetings and uh, work is normal. So without you telling us anything, just by having your meetings, we know all your tasks. We know the work streams that these tasks can be organized into. We can describe that work stream. This is all AI. Describe that work stream. We can measure the uh, relative weight of those tasks in terms of complexity, so essentially how long the task takes to do. And so we can come up with relative weights for work streams in terms of like where teams are spending their time and attention. And this is all practically real time. This is unheard of. This is unheard of stuff. These are things that like you need to go and data entry and keep up and a lot of process. It's unheard of for an AI to just kind of click up and say, oh, this is what's going on. So all of that is already available in some of our prototypes and it's coming in the not too distant future to our product. Some of the low hanging stuff I already mentioned, like differentiation by, by different meeting types is coming soon. And some of the more advanced AI things we're looking at um, can go into too much detail right now, but I'll say like there's, uh, you know, having meeting information. So let's say you're meeting with clients and like then you, you spend a lot of time creating like different, like you know, let's say a contract for that client. So we're going to have features that will, you know, basically do that for you. So those are some of the cool, cool things that are coming in the near future. As you look further out, you know, we're going to push on that understanding of we know what are the tasks, we know, what, we know what's happening. You know, there's a lot of AI meeting assistants out there today. You know, our focus is in the follow-on. It's our focus is, okay, you had a meeting, something should happen as a result of that meeting. There needs to be work done uh, after the meeting. And that's where we focus. Some companies focus on like, let's have more efficient meetings. Let's, you know, look at like who's talking when, and, you know, let's keep to the agenda. That's not our focus. Not that there isn't a space for efficiency there, but we kind of, one of our principles is to let the team work like they work. Like we're not going to, like, we're not there to tell you you're like a really productive team or like unproductive team and your meetings suck. Like we're not about that. We're saying have the meetings exactly how you have your meetings. Don't even worry about the fact that assembly is there. And then after the meeting is where we bring our magic. 
And so as we go forward into next year, some of the things that we're going to be able to understand even better are like your goals, what you're trying to accomplish as a worker, what you're trying to accomplish as a team, as a department, as an organization, being able to better prioritize your activities according to your goals. So assembly will be able to suggest like, okay, like if you only do three things today, like these are the three things you should probably do. And eventually have information, near real-time information about the corp- the organizational alignment. Like, are people working on the right kind of things? Like, are you investing your resources the way you expect? And then finally, even suggesting activities to further your goals. So we know what you're doing. We can see where your goal, where, where your goals are, what you want to accomplish. Here are some other things maybe you should be thinking about to achieve those milestones. So those are some of the areas that we're going to be pushing into uh, going into next year. So it does that, uh, would I need to input other inputs or that's just based on being in the meeting? Just based on being in the meeting. Everything I'm, I'm mentioning right now is just based on being in the meeting. We will look at, you know, eventually we might want to take some insights from you, but we're trying very hard to make it completely like no touch or as like light touch as, as realistically possible. So that will be the focus. And if we find that we can't get away with no touch, we'll put in like one or two light touch things in there. Do you guys have any feedback loops that you can share? Obviously, I don't want to give you to give away any secrets, but it sounds like you you mentioned uh, focus and intention. You, you guys are focusing on what happens after the meeting or the follow-up. What made you guys focus there as opposed to what other competitors might be focusing on? Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a combination of things, but very much driven by, I think, our vision in terms of what it takes for companies to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Uh, coming from a management consulting background, that was my life was meetings. My life was driving very big teams, like part of the team is from the consulting organization and could be another consulting organization. And then a big part of the team is internal to client and uh, really driving the activity and driving delivery and landing things is what it was about. Like you can have all the meetings in the world, but ultimately if nothing gets done as a result or, you know, you're not making tangible progress, then you're not spending your time correctly Um, and, or worse, you're just like wasting time in a meeting that you shouldn't be doing. You know, one of the things, for example, that assembly is able to really improve on is like, you can sense assembly in the meeting with, instead of you, like if there's a meeting that you don't have, like, you don't, you're not a decision maker, you're not an input provider. You're just there to kind of like get the latest, let's say, well, like you don't need to sit in a meeting for an hour to get the latest, like send assembly instead of you do, do the stuff you want to be doing. Assembly will come back with the notes, with the tasks, with details. We also do key items, things like issues, risks, decisions, things like that. All of that will be available for you. And if you really like are concerned, like, oh, maybe Artem had something in the meeting. Well, just talk to Assembly and like, were there any things for Artem in this meeting? And Assembly will literally tell you. So it frees up, it democratizes your time a lot. You don't have to have all these people in the meeting all together anymore. You can just have the people who are need to interact and need to share real time and, and provide that provide that level of insight. So yeah, so we're focused very much on follow-up as a result of of our background. And we also think that that's probably the area that's more valuable in the long term. Um, Of course, there's huge value to be made in terms of efficiencies and cost savings in in conducting better meetings and uh, conducting them better, if that's a tautology or not. But, But we feel strongly that the power of AI really rests in the what happens after that meeting 
because of all the tremendous open-ended possibility of what AI can provide you, both in terms of uh, just guidance, but also in terms of automation and just delivering things for you that, you know, you don't have to spend time on anymore. Mm -hmm. So what, what goes into you guys' process when you're thinking about other features or benefits to bring to the market? Is that a completely internal process? Are you getting inputs from external places? How do you guys go about that, that process or that way of thinking? Yeah, it's, it's evolving. So it's not a static thing. I would say every few months, it shifts a bit one way or another. When we started, we effectively had to do all internal because we were working on a product that no one has ever, real, not, not known, but like a microscopic number of people has ever touched or thought about. And so we were fighting this uphill battle of like what meeting assistants are, what AI can do for an organization. Like, why is it okay to let AI into your meeting? It's like secure and private. You know, private security is a huge, huge deal in this space. And so there's a lot of this uphill stuff. About a year ago, the trend really inverted. And we started to get companies coming to us and say, okay, we know it. We've heard about it. We love it. We want it. That only happened about a year ago. And so once that awareness has occurred and, and generally people has, have begun to understand what these kinds of technologies are, then we can start to look to listen to, okay, what are they saying? And so what kind of use cases are they driving? What kind of requests are they putting in? And so now it's, it's really mixed. It's a, you know, there's a lot that, that's still continuing to come from internal, especially things that are more on the innovative side. There are things that are coming from our partners. So like Philips, you know, is, is, has a, has a voice in what we're doing because they're very global and they have a great kind of multinational perspective. We have a partner in MIGSOPQ, which is a, an organization that has offices in Europe and the U.S. They're very project management focused. So PMI is another great, great customer of ours. And so they're like hardcore project management, project program management delivery guys. And they're giving us their requests on what they'd love to see in the product to help them do their work. So we're hearing all of that. We're hearing our customers broadly. And we're also looking outside to see where the market is moving because there's a lot of products now that are doing things that overlap with us. Both, you know, newcomers are trying to do some things in this area, but also there's Microsoft Teams is developing these kinds of features. Google came out with Duet. So we're, we're looking at the market. We're looking at our users. We're looking at our partners. And also we're looking internal. Somehow that all coalesces with myself and Gil and, and we adjust roadmaps as, as necessary. Yeah. What what are some of the ways that you guys are are fostering or encouraging innovation internally? Innovation is primary and 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 always has been assembly. So I think it's a factor of just me how I view innovation, and you know I'm probably on board with with Elon Musk in that I believe that ultimately what makes a company long term competitive is how quickly it innovates. So I drive that very hard and. I guess one way I do that is I really empower uh, our leaders to think very uh, freely and openly about what they believe would be valuable and what they and pay and also to pay attention to what's going on in the surroundings to bring new fresh ideas to the fore and whenever possible those ideas make it into the roadmap. Typically, the way it works out is we kind of have our phases, so we'll have a phase of like. I'll call it nuts and bolts, where we're doing things like custom SSO implementation or like certain data retention customization or like certain like deployment option, private cloud stuff that 
is really intended to fit the security privacy compliance requirements of our customers and also suffice like certain more exotic scenarios that some of our larger customers prefer. But then we'll go through that phase, like put in a block of that features of those features, and then we have an innovation phase. And usually while we're doing nuts and balls, we're think nuts and balls, we're thinking about innovation and what like the next major feature in terms of competitive creative feature should be. And so we kind of go through these like cycles of nuts and balls innovation, nuts and balls innovation. Yeah, that makes sense. So how, how do you handle, uh, right? Because we talked a little bit before about focus and intention. That doesn't always jive well with innovation because it, when there's a new direction or a new idea, then there's change and then you have to manage that change. How do you handle those opposing forces? Yeah, I don't think there's a, a strict formula. Uh, I think it's also, it's a little bit of a personality thing. Like uh, I love having a plan and having specific landing points, but I also love innovation. And so ultimately it comes down to which things that we're choosing to do align closest with the strategic goals that we have as a company, which could be around certain kinds of revenue targets, certain kinds of customer-based growth targets, certain kinds of moat targets, like building out features that really help us differentiate, you know, certain kind of like financial targets that we have, we have to be lean and mean. So there's kind of a complex multifactored equation that gets applied periodically that makes you veer, okay, like we can do things more innovative now because that makes sense versus we have to be more conservative. I think you, you have to be in tune with what does your company need today? tomorrow and a few months from now and constantly have those multiple perspectives at the same time in mind. And then you make your decisions that satisfy those perspectives at the same time. Kind of like. Got it. So, um, man, time flies. If folks want to reach out to learn more about assembly AI or to just say, hi, how can they do that? www.assembly.ai, S-E-M-B-L-Y. Register. We have a free trial for a week where you it's, this is a product where if you've never had an AI teammate with you on your calls, it's super addictive. It's after you have it, you just can't let go because like, wow, you're telling me I don't have to take notes. I just can have my call and discuss my stuff. And then it just comes in and these notes are like human quality and my tasks are like, it's so addictive. Like once you do it, I'm whenever I'm on the meeting without assembly, I'm like, you know, frustrated, right? Like, and there are meetings without assembly, like there's certain like board conversations, et cetera, but like I'm flustered and I don't, you know, like I don't feel comfortable. So go to the website, try, do the trial and you're going to get hooked. If you want to find me, I'm Artem Koren, K-O-R-E-N on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to reach me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? 
Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.